0: one person can make a difference, and that's why we're doing this Who's Your One to remind you to say who is one person in your life that God is calling you to step in and make a difference in, and so that's our hope here as we work through this series in the book of Jonah to encourage you to remember that there is depths of God's grace that is available not only to you but to others, that we would not only be recipients, but we would be conduits of God's grace in mercy Uh, to other people. My encouragement this morning to all of us is to be thinking about, hey, who is a person that God would have you to be making a difference in their life, even as we're working through this passage of scripture? Well, I'm excited to open up God's word once again and dive back in to Jonah 2 and 3. Nothing? Nothing? Okay, yeah. No, okay, roll your eyes at least, please, okay. Um, title of the message is simply this today, Into the Deep, and it's, it's a double entendre, which is my favorite like kind of literary device, where you're gonna see a couple of dual meanings here, where God is calling us to see not only the deep that Jonah goes into, but the depths of his grace and mercy in the midst of this. So can we pray and dive into God's word this morning? Father, thank you so much. Uh, for your goodness we thank you that you are who you are that you are faithful to your word and that you are able to do far beyond what we ask or imagine oh lord we need you right now lord travel the distance between the head and the heart make the changes in us and through us that you and you alone can make O oh, lord we declare our dependence on you right now would you open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things from your law would you incline our hearts after understanding would you satisfy us with your steadfast love O oh, lord please by your spirit do a miraculous work in our hearts Change us, shape us, deliver us, transform us, cause us to see above all the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. The National Ocean and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA, estimates that although our oceans cover 70% of the planet Earth, only a very small percentage has been explored. You want to shout out some numbers? What percentage of the ocean do you think have been explored and mapped? Five, okay, what do we got? It's like an auction. One, two, ten, three. The answer is seven. Eugene, you were here in the first service, no fair. Those dewberries, they cheat on stuff, yeah, right. Seven percent, I'm telling you, Eugene, man, stealing all my thunder, brother. (laughs) Seven percent of the ocean has been explored and mapped. Due to the extreme depth in many places in the ocean, there are vast tracks that have existed since the creation of the world that have never been seen by the human eye. Now, recent years, new technology has been invented that allowed explorers to send cameras into some of the deepest parts of the ocean, and they have come back with some really strange photos, and you can see on the screen behind me. Some of these creatures that have been discovered range from the bizarre, and some of them to the stuff of nightmares. In fact, I sent these slides over to Brady, our production uh, leader, and uh, he said, thanks a lot, Ryan. I didn't sleep all week. Really grateful for you on that. Dozens of species are being discovered all the time. Every time they go on one of these expositions, they plunge down into there and they say, man, we don't know anything. Well, I bring this up because I think there is a very clear parallel. You know, sometimes we think, man, we live on the planet Earth and surely we have explored and seen so much of it, but the reality is we are just barely scratching the surface of our oceans. And you know what? The same could be true to be said of God's mercy. I think if I kind of took a survey of people, whether you've been in church or not, and said, hey, do you believe that God is merciful? Most people would say what? Yes. Yes. And if you're a church-going folk, you would say... Amen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. God is merciful. You know, we kind of know that intellectually. God is a God of mercy. And yet I would argue that I don't think that many of us have even begun to scratch the surface of the depths of God's mercy. In fact, when the Bible speaks of God's mercy, time and time again, they don't just say that God is merciful, but they tell about his great mercy or the extent of his mercy. For instance, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he has for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. Psalm 103, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. Or 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy he has given us through the new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. What are the authors of scripture trying to argue? They're trying to argue that God is not just a merciful God, rather that God's mercy is unfathomable. You can't get down to the bottom of it. You will never reach the extent of God's mercy. There is so much of it, it is inexhaustible. But what does it mean then that God is merciful? I mean, that's a term sometimes that we can get thrown around if you're around the church world at all. But what does it actually mean that God is a God of mercy? While much has and could be said about this topic, for our purposes today, I want to give a very simple definition of mercy, and it is this. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. That is, because the Lord is merciful, He often withholds His judgment from people, even though it is fully justified. Let me offer a, a little bit of an analogy here to help. I have with me this morning a delicious iced coffee, also known as the elixir of the gods. Let's say I was drinking my iced coffee. I sat it down right here, and Julian, my friend and scoundrel, came along and took my iced coffee, began to guzzle it without any remission he just guzzled the whole thing grace would be me saying julian julian no worries bro you can have my iced coffee it is now yours that's grace i'm giving him something mercy is me not punching that joker in the mouth for the audacity of taking my iced coffee (laughs) don't do it bro (laughs) That is God's mercy. In other words, look, we have all done so many things and God punching us in the mouth, so to speak, would be completely justified. And yet mercy is God saying, even though you have done wrong, even though you have defied me, even though you have rebelled against me, because I am a God of mercy, I withhold my hand of judgment from you. Now, that's not just me being cute. That's actually a scriptural definition of mercy. You say, well, where do you get that, Ryan? Psalm chapter 51, verse number one. Look at what it says. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out your trans, my transgression. What is David saying there? He's saying, God, don't give me what I deserve. I've done wrong, be merciful to me. Or 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 16, the apostle Paul speaking, but I received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience. In other words, Paul is saying, God withheld his hand of judgment from me, even though I was deserving of that hand of judgment. And friends, The mercy of God is in full technicolor display in Jonah chapter 2 and 3. Here, both Jonah and the Ninevites are in desperate need of what seems to be an infinite supply of mercy. And the miracle is they get it. They need it and they get it. Which leads me to my point this morning. We must trust that God's mercy is sufficient. And friends... I think there's some folks in here that really need this this morning. I think some of you believe that God is merciful. You actually maybe even believe that God has great mercy. But maybe not quite enough for you. Oh, it's good enough for the other guy sitting next to me. It's good enough for those people over there. But God actually having mercy on me? Well, that's another matter. Or maybe some of us need to believe that God's mercy is sufficient for our those people. Remember last week if you were here? There's somebody in your life that you just feel like they are really tough to love. And it's difficult for you to believe because they hurt you, because they look a certain way, because they did a certain thing. It's really tough for you to believe that those people are deserving of God's mercy. And what I want to argue from the text here in Jonah chapter 2 and 3, that God's mercy is enough just want to point out two simple truths this morning about the depths of god's mercy the first one is this god's mercy is sufficient for you i don't know your story i don't know your background i don't know what's going on in your life right now but i do know this based on the authority of god's word god's mercy is sufficient for you this morning But in order to really understand that, we need to kind of recap Jonah chapter 1 to get us back up to speed here in the story. Remember, the book of Jonah begins with God telling Jonah to deliver a message to the city of Nineveh. Jonah, not being a huge fan of the Ninevites, declines and grabs the first ship to not Nineveh. He goes to Tarshish, the exact opposite direction. The Lord, not being super enthusiastic about Jonah's plan, sends a violent storm that threatens to sink the ship. And the crew reluctantly throws Jonah overboard to stop the storm. And the Lord then does something completely unexpected. Jonah chapter 1, verse number 17. The Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Do you realize that the very sending of the fish to swallow Jonah up was an act of God's mercy? The fish didn't just happen by. It wasn't a coincidence. The text actually tells us that the fish was appointed by the Lord. Jonah had directly disobeyed God's command and apparently at this point in the story, Jonah had zero remorse for his actions. Stop and think about that for a minute. When the sailors on the ship are praying to their gods, is Jonah praying? Uh Uh-uh. He's taking a nap. And they come and they're like, hey, dude, we're about to die. Pray to your gods. He's like, nah, I'm not going to pray. I know why this is. That's because I'm disobeying the Lord. He needed a punch in the mouth right there. Then they go on, and you see him like, okay, here's a storm. The sailors are in danger. The boat is in danger. At least Jonah could have some decency towards humanity, and Jonah does it. He doesn't even say, oh, man, Lord, I, I see what you're doing here. Forgive me. I'll go to Nina. Uh-uh. No mention of that. He's like, well, this is because of me. I don't know what we're going to do. And they start, like, trying to lighten the load, and then finally he's like, Jonah, Jonah's like, hey, you guys got to throw me overboard. Dude, if you care about these people, jump out the ship. Don't make them lay hands on you and throw you overboard. What's going on here? Jonah is stubborn. He's not like turning to the Lord at all. There's no indication that his heart is bending towards God in the least. And what does God do? Jonah goes into the water. If you were the Lord, come on. If you're the Lord at this point, it's kind of like throw him overboard. I hope you can swim good, brother. I mean, you fend for yourself. I said, why are you going to Tarshish anyway? I said, go to Nineveh. That's the other direction. Would God have been justified in just letting Jonah drown? Absolutely. And yet he doesn't. As an evidence of his mercy towards Jonah, God sends a fish to swallow up his stubborn prophet. The disposition of Jonah's heart is this at this point. I would rather die than go to Nineveh. God could have said, fine. Over your dead body? Yep, go ahead. And yet the Lord does it. Why? Because God spared Jonah's life because he wanted Jonah's heart. God had mercy on Jonah because he wanted more than just his obedience. He wanted his heart. The God of mercy was pursuing his wayward prophet in the midst of that. And that's exactly what God got, at least to an extent. Because the very next words out of Jonah's mouth are a prayer. It almost reads like the Psalms. This is not one of the Psalms, but maybe it was something that was familiar in the Jewish liturgy at that time. And we read in Jonah chapter 3, verse number 2, chapter 2, verse number 2. I called to the Lord in my distress. And he answered me, and I cried out for help from the deep inside of Sheol. You heard my voice when you threw me into the depths, into the heart of the sea, and the current overcame me. All your breakers and your billows swept over me, and I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. The water engulfed me up to my neck. The watery drops overcame me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. I sank to the foundation of the mountains, the earth's gates shut behind me forever. Then you raised my life from the pit, Lord my God. As my life was fading away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came up to you, to your holy temple. Those who cherish worthless idols abandon their faithful love, but as for me, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will fulfill what I have vowed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So even though Jonah still found himself in a gray position. He's in the belly of the fish. He now puts his hope in the Lord. As one commentator wisely put it, the belly of the fish is not a happy place to live, but it is a good place to learn. And then the Lord responds to Jonah's prayer with even more mercy. Jonah chapter two, verse number 10. Then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land so after jonah's blatant disobedience after his stubbornness of heart god saves him not once but twice two times god pours out his mercy on his wayward prophet but how is that story relevant for us today i mean chances are not too many of us i mean maybe three or four are going to get swallowed by a fish this week But I think there are some profound implications of this text to our lives and God's sufficient mercy. Let me just suggest two about God's sufficient mercy to you. The first one is this. God's mercy is available for any of your sins. Say that word any with me, any, any of your sins. As far as sins go, This one of Jonah's, it's a bit of a doozy. I mean, stop and think about it for a minute. The Lord apparently audibly speaks to Jonah and says, go to Nineveh. And Jonah says, hard pass. I mean, God says, do this. Jonah says, nope, not going to do that. Then to make matters worse, when God sends a storm to kind of soften up Jonah, Jonah doubles down on his disobedience. Oh, I already told you no, Lord. Didn't you hear me the first time? You said go to Nineveh. I said no. You say go to Nineveh again. I'm still saying no, Lord. I mean, the gall, the audacity of this. And stop and think about it for a minute. Now, this became scripture, right? Like this story. Can you imagine being one of Jonah's children or grandchildren? Sitting there in synagogue well, and they get the Book of Jonah open, and they're like, "Oh Lord," <laughs> and they read this part of the story. I mean, this is a cringe-worthy moment for the family of Amat. What's his name? Amittai. There we go. I mean, they're just sitting there and like, "Grandpa, did you really say that?" Well, yeah, I said that. Daddy, did you? Lord said go to Nineveh. You said no. Yeah, I did that. I mean, this is ugly. It's gross. I mean, Jonah directly disobeys the Lord. And yet, what a powerful reminder that no sin is beyond the scope of God's mercy. And the reality is we've all got some cringeworthy moments in our lives, do we not? Are there not some things in all of our stories that we've said or thought or done, that we would be absolutely mortified if it was read publicly here in the church. Cringe-worthy moments. Some of us got more skeletons than we do closets. And what the story of Jonah is reminding us is that any sin... No single sin, no sin is so bad that it can cut you off from God's mercy. Or as the prophet Isaiah says, though your sins are scarlet, they will be white as snow. Though they are crimson red, they will be like wool. In other words, no sin can stain you too deeply that God cannot cleanse you. Or if I could put it very plainly, God's mercy is stronger than any sin. Can I stir up some controversy right now? Can I do that? Any spades players in the house? Okay, all right, all right. Now, I know you folks often have very strong feelings about spades. Um, What is the top card in spades? This is the part where there's some disagreement. What is the top card in spades? Okay, see, look, see. I see there is disagreement in the house of the Lord. We're going to say for our purposes, it's the big joker. All right, we're going to say that. Some of you purists are like, we don't use any joker. We will judge you later, and the Lord will judge you now. (laughs) So the big joker, here's the thing about the big joker. It beats any card. So you ever had a hand, and you're like coming down to the end, and you got that big joker in there? And you just kind of trying to contain this smile that you have on your face. Because you know if you throw that big joker. It doesn't matter what other cards people have. They can throw three aces out there. And you're like big joker. They can have all trump. Big joker. It doesn't matter how good the other cards is. The big joker always won. Because it's trump. And it's the biggest trump. Look. Christ is holding the big joker of mercy and no matter what sin you throw at it his mercy beats it every time every single time God's mercy is more God's mercy triumphs over your sin so you go ahead you get that deck of sins out and you throw them out there and here's the other thing about Jesus he plays cards a little bit different all he has is big jokers So every sin that you put out there, every sin that you think cuts you off from the mercy that is in Christ. Jesus well, I got a little something for you. It's called my mercy. And I got another one of those for you. It's called my mercy. And mercy and mercy and mercy upon mercy. God's mercy is greater than any of your sins. So go on now. Go in those closets. Go get those skeletons and lay them out. Pull them out into sight because his mercy is sufficient for you. You don't have to live in the darkness. You don't have to hide anymore. You don't have to pretend like you didn't do it. Bring it to Jesus. His mercy is enough for you. If he can forgive Jonah, he can certainly forgive you. Man, there's more here. It's not just that God's mercy is sufficient for any of your sins. It's actually God's mercy is available for all of your sins. Let me explain. After Jonah cried out to the Lord from the belly of the fish, he did go to Nineveh. He did what God told him to do. But he didn't do it with the greatest attitude in the world, it doesn't seem. Even though Jonah now obeyed, the text seemed to indicate that Jonah was still not exactly enthusiastic about going to Nineveh and doing God's bidding. He gets to Nineveh and preaches a rather uninspired sermon. One sentence, Jonah chapter 2, verse number 4. In 40 days, Nineveh will be demolished. You notice what it says in text? He didn't even go all the way into the city. Just a day's journey. Three days across, he just goes a day's journey and preaches. It's like deuces. And then we read what happens. The, the Ninevites hear this lackluster sermon, and God does a miracle. Jonah chapter 4, verse numbers 1 through 3. Well, I'm sorry. Got, got ahead of myself there. Um, sorry. Rewind. When they heard it, they did repent. But Jonah doesn't like it. We find that out in chapter 4. He's not super enthusiastic. Basically, a revival happens. He preaches a sermon, and like the whole city repents. And Jonah is ticked because he had gone up to like this mountain overlooking the city, and he's like, "All right, just get in a good spot for the fireworks. Hopefully, the Lord rains down fire on these wicked people." Chapter four, verse number one. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, "Please, Lord." Isn't it what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled to Tarshish. He's like, God, I told you. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life. It's better for me to die than to live. He's that unhappy. Yikes. If Jonah's first sin. Was a doozy? This is a double doozy. Now, I want you to think about this for a minute. I want you to put your literary thinking caps on here. Remember the story. Did God know when he rescued Jonah from drowning and when he sent the fish to swallow Jonah and spit him back out on dry land, did God know that Jonah was going to respond this way? Hmm. Did God know that Jonah's seeming repentance, Jonah's psalm of prayer to the Lord, thank you, Lord, I praise you, salvation from, was from the Lord. Did God know that that would only be temporary? Yes or no? Yes. He knew it, and he did it anyway. God knew that Jonah wouldn't really fully repent. And yet, God gave mercy to Jonah anyway. This is incredibly good news for you and I. Here's why. Have you ever been at a place in your life where you come to God and say, Lord, here I am again. Can you say that word? Again. Say it with me. Again. I've blown it. I've done the same thing. I can't get my act together. I have sinned. You ever been there? And sometimes when we get in these moments, we look at God and say, Here I am again. I don't deserve your mercy. In fact, we disqualify ourselves from God's mercy. Not only do we say, I don't deserve it, but you shouldn't give it to me, and I don't think you will. But that's not God's heart. That's our problem. God knew exactly what Jonah would do, and God gave him mercy upon mercy upon mercy, and the same is true for you. God gave Jonah mercy When he disobeyed his call. God gave Jonah mercy again when he was about to drown. God gave mercy when he was in the fish. And God gave mercy to Jonah even when he was despondent about the Lord's working in the hearts of the Ninevites. You say, how do you know that, Ryan? Because we got the book. Eventually, God's mercy won. God got Jonah's heart because Jonah wrote it down. God's mercy triumphed over this wayward prophet. Now hear this very plainly. Listen, neither the severity nor the sum of your sins can make you ineligible for God's mercy. Look, here's what I mean by that. Even if you've done really bad things or you've done a lot of things, God's mercy still can win in your life. Neither the severity Nor the sum of your sins cut you off from the mercy of God. Or as the scripture blessedly says, because of the Lord's faithful love, we do not perish. Why? Because his mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. You and I can keep coming back to the well of God's mercy. I don't care if you've blown it 10 times or 10,000 times this week. You keep coming back because God's mercy are inexhaustible. They are renewable. They are endless. They cannot quit. Look, you remember the story in the Old Testament where the widow, she just had a a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And the prophet says to her, hey, take that and feed me first. And if you feed me first, it won't run out. And what happens? She feeds the prophet And then she goes back day after day. For years, she goes back day after day. Little scoop, little little bit of oil. Little scoop, little bit of oil. I mean, it was a miracle every single time. And the same is true for you and I. It feels like a miracle every single time when you come back and you say, Lord, here I am again. I need your mercy again. It is a miracle every single time. But that doesn't mean it's going to run out. Our acceptance before the Lord never has been based on our performance and it never will be. There is no sin in you that is greater than the mercy that is in Christ. He's got the trump card, friends. Remember I said Jesus plays cards a little bit different? That's all he has. Mercy upon mercy upon mercy upon mercy. You keep coming back. God cannot just give you mercy for any of your sins. God can give you mercy for all of your sins. Some of y'all need to hear that. Because you're walking around with a load of bricks on your shoulder. Feeling the sense of condemnation. Feeling the sense of guilt every single day. You know what the Lord is saying? Give me that. Give me those. My mercy is sufficient for you. Believe it. Do you really believe that? Remember I said we've got to fight for faith. And if the Lord says that though your sins be as scarlet, like the deepest stain ever, think red wine on the tablecloth, think strawberry jam on the carpet, the worst stain you can imagine, they'll be white as snow, cleansed, perfected. Why? Because my mercy is sufficient for you. Remember in this story, the mercy of God never runs out. But there's actually more good news in this story. Not only is God's mercy sufficient for you, but God's mercy is sufficient for others as well. As we said last week, the Ninevites were objectively bad people. I'm not being rude, it's just historically accurate. This nation was notorious for its cruelty and generally hated throughout the ancient world. In fact, when Assyria was taken over, the world kind of rejoiced. And yet, when Jonah delivers God's message to them, something incredible happens. Jonah chapter 3, verse number 6. When word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself in sackcloth and sat in ashes. Then he issued a decree in Nineveh. By order of the king and his nobles, no person or animal, herd or flock is to taste anything at all. They must not eat or drink water. Furthermore, both people and animals must be covered with sackcloth and everyone must call out earnestly to God. Each must turn from his evil ways and from his wrongdoing. Who knows? God may turn and relent. He may turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. I mean, this guy's all in. I mean, he's telling the animals, you better not eat. We fasting over here. So the Ninevites repented And God mercifully responds. Jonah 3.10, God saw their actions, that they had turned from their evil ways. So God relented from the disaster he had threatened them with, and he did not do it. That's all of our story. Now, if you went to high school with the Ninevites, you would have voted them least likely to repent. Repent. And yet it is exactly these people that God shows his mercy towards. This is a reminder to all of us. No one is too bad. No one is too hard. No one is too far gone. Why? Because it is impossible to go beyond the reach of God's mercy. You cannot outrun the mercy of God. It is limitless. It is endless. And the implication is this. There is hope for absolutely anyone that is you will never come in contact with another human being that cannot become an object of God's mercy that family member you know uncle joe the one caught in the life dominating sin they're not beyond the reach of God's mercy that coworker You know, the one that seems a little hostile, angry, bitter, closed to spiritual things. They're not beyond the reach of God's mercy. That neighbor who's experienced incredible heartbreak and trauma and hurt in their life. They're not beyond the reach of God's mercy. That friend who's drifted far apart, who the relationship has been made a mess They're not beyond the reach of God's mercy. God's mercy is for anyone and everyone who would like the Ninevites. Just say, Lord, maybe you'll help us. His mercy is sufficient not just for you, His mercy is sufficient for all. Who is your one, folks? Who's that person in your life who needs the mercy of God? Listen, they're eligible. They fit the category. They're a human being who is a sinner who needs a Savior, then they are eligible for the mercy of God. If God can give mercy to the Ninevites, if God can give mercy to Jonah, He can give mercy to anyone. So you may hear all this and say, Ryan, this is an incredible story. And I want to believe that God's mercy is available. But if I'm really honest, it seems too good to be true. I mean, you're giving me a little bit of hope here. And I'm a skeptic. It's hard for me to believe that God can actually forgive me. It's hard for me to believe that God can actually forgive those people. I mean, you know what they did to me? I want to believe, but how is this kind of mercy possible? Well, here's the good news. Under and through and over and behind, the story of Jonah is an even greater story of mercy. See, there's another prophet sent by God to a hostile people who were far from him and didn't want anything to do with him. But unlike Jonah, this prophet didn't go reluctantly. This prophet set aside everything that he had for the good of those he came to rescue. And his name is Jesus. You see, mercy is available to all of us because Jesus came. (laughs) In fact, while Jonah sacrificed himself to condemn his enemies, I'd rather die than go to Nineveh. Jesus sacrificed himself to save his enemies. I'd rather die than not rescue these people. And in a very real sense, just like Jonah was swallowed up, Jesus too was swallowed up, but not by a fish. Jesus was swallowed up by sin and death and the grave and every other enemy that was raised its ugly head against his people literally jesus came to be condemned for us jesus took the wrath he took the storm that we deserved on our behalf and he went into the very grave into death itself in order to rescue the people that he loved and jesus just like jonah emerged from the belly of the grave and he came to announce mercy To anyone and everyone who would ever put their hope in him. Look, Jonah is a poor and dim reflection of the heart of God for his people. There is a new and better Jonah who is the perfect reflection of a God who loves his people deeply. He came and lived the life we should have lived. He died the death we should have died. And he conquered the grave and death and hell on our behalf. Look, Jesus rose. He stepped out of that tomb in order to announce mercy has won. Mercy is now available for all. Because on the cross, Jesus bore the wrath of God that we deserved so that he could give us mercy as the scripture says in the book of james mercy triumphs over judgment and that is only because our savior lived and died and rose again so friend mercy is sufficient for you and mercy is sufficient for others there is no human being that has ever lived or died that mercy does not apply so i want to challenge us this morning with two very simple words of application. I'm going to ask the prayer team to stand by right now. Those of you on the prayer team, if you can make your way around the room. i want to give you two very simple things to do. First thing is this. Will you receive God's mercy? Some of you, as I said, are bearing a burden that your shoulders were never meant to carry. This burden of sin that you were meant to let go This burden of condemnation that Christ came to relieve. Would you turn that over to Jesus today? Would you receive the mercy of God? I want to invite you to do so in a couple ways. I'm going to give you an opportunity to do this in just a minute. One, man, there's folks standing around this room that would love to pray with you. They'd just love to have a word of prayer with you. If you have questions, they'd love to talk with you. Or maybe you want to talk with somebody right there in your seat. I want to encourage you this morning to have a conversation and to pray for one another about how you can receive God's mercy in your life. Second thing is this. Let's share God's mercy. This is the greatest news in the world. That mercy is for everyone. As we said, we're doing Who's Your One here at Gospel Hope. And it's just a way for us to be accountable to say, You know what, Lord, before you, I'm going to do my best to be a sharer of your mercy with others. We have the boards over here, and I want to invite you to go up there and do three things. One, if you haven't written a name down, or you want to add a name or initials of somebody that you are asking God to allow you to make an investment in, would you write that name on there? Two, if you have already put a name up there and you are praying for that person, would you underline that name? By God's grace, I'm going to continue to pray for this person. Just underline that name. And if, by God's grace, you've been able to have a spiritual conversation with one of those individuals, would you circle their name on the board? What I'd love to see in the weeks to come is lots of names and initials and underlines and circles. We can't make anybody receive the mercy of God, but we can be faithful to share it, right? This is the best news in the world, so let's be brokers of hope, as it were. People who are constantly speaking with others about the mercy of God. So two responses. One, receive God's mercy. Pray with somebody, either the prayer team or somebody at your seat. Two, share God's mercy. Go put something up on the board, a name, an underline, or a circle. Everybody clear on that? I'm going to pray, and Jalen's going to sing quietly for us and give you an opportunity to pray, interact, to go to the board. If you're going over to the board, please go this way. That'd be helpful for us. There's hand sanitizer and markers over there to keep it COVID safe. So if you could go that way, that'd be great. And then the band's going to come at the end and call us back to a time of worship as we close out our service today. So let me pray for us. Lord, your mercy is more. It's greater than our sins. Nothing in us can cut us off from the mercy that is in Christ. We thank you, Lord. We praise you for that. I pray today that there might be some here today that maybe even for the first time would receive the mercy of God. that they would be transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of your dear son, would we receive mercy today? Lord, if there are believers here who have walked around with condemnation, I pray they would let that go. God, if you can forgive Jonah over and over again, you can forgive us over and over again. And Lord, there are many in our city that do not know your son. Oh God, by your grace, would you help us to be involved in your great work of drawing sinners to yourself? Lord, help us to proclaim this great message of mercy. In the precious name of Jesus, our risen Savior, we pray. Amen.